0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, good morning and welcome today to Canton Church. My name is Trevor Hyman. I'm the administrative pastor at Canton Church, and I'm so excited to have the chance this morning to share with you what God's placed on my heart to share this morning. We are in week two of our Romans series, and so our Romans series, we're going to spend eight weeks in the book of Romans throughout the summer. Romans has 16 chapters, and so each week of the summer, we're taking two chapters of Romans and splitting it up across the eight weeks, and it's going to be an incredible summer. If you didn't have a journal and you would like a journal, we're using the Romans guide, so we have these guides that's going to Give you a place to take notes, and then some soaps throughout throughout the week to do some Bible. So if you don't have one of those, you want to throw your hand up. You want to get one. One of our incredible guest services team. We got one over here in the corner that I can see. We got some incredible guest services team that are going to get you those journals. But we hope, and our hope and prayer here at Can Church, is that you spend the time this summer just really diving into these journals, spending some time in God's Word. We'd love for you to soap throughout the week, and soap stands for Scripture, Observation, Application. And prayer, and so we'd love for you to just dive in. It lays out how to do that right there in the front of the journal. And so it's going to be a really cool summer walking through this book all summer long. And I encourage you find somebody to talk through this book with, whether that's a spouse or a family member, maybe it's a friend you meet for coffee, but it's just going to be a really cool summer. If you kind of just dig into this and dive into Romans that we're going to learn a lot together and we're going to grow together and it's just going to be a really cool summer looking back and just seeing all that we've done and all that God's taught Each and every one of us. But today, we are in week two, so that means we have chapters three and chapters four, and it's going to be a really great day. I'm excited about what God has placed on my heart. Pastor Jeremy kicked off the series last week with chapters one and two of Romans, and he did a phenomenal job of doing that. I encourage you, if you weren't here last week, if you were already slipped away on vacation, make sure you go back, check out the podcast, and catch up so that you can stay up with us all series long. But when I first heard that I was doing week two, so I knew that I had chapters three and chapters four, I knew that um, what I'd be talking about, like I just was like, all right, this is going to be it. It was one verse that just kind of stuck out to me that I knew. It was Romans three twenty three says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I was like, that's what I'm teaching. It's going to be great. I can't wait. I already started putting some thoughts together on it. And then I did something that's dangerous. I said, "God, I'm going to read 3 and 4 and if there's anything that you just want me to like be able to teach on that day, just like show me" And he did, and it's not 3.23, so if you're in chapter 3, go ahead and just flip the page, or if you're in the app, go ahead and hit the next arrow. That's all you're going to hear from me in chapter 3 of today, but we're going to spend the rest of our time in chapter 4. I really do encourage you this week, jump in to the SOAP guide, really study chapters 3 and 4, and I think you'll learn a lot. There's a ton of great content in each of these chapters that we just don't have enough time To dive into all of it, but we're going to spend our time in chapters four today, and I just want to share something with you that God just placed on my heart, and it really just challenged me, and I hope it does the same for you, but today I want to talk to you about the power of faith. You know, Romans chapter four, starting in verse three, it says, for the scripture tells us, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of His faith. Abraham is a character or a person in Scripture that's talked about really all through Scripture. But the main narrative of his life story is found all the way back in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis. And so we're going to flip from Romans to Genesis several times throughout the sermon just to kind of look at some of the different aspects of his life. You may see him a couple of different times referenced as Abram or Abraham, and it's the same person. I'll use those kind of interchangeably today because God changes his name in a really cool story that we'll read In a moment, but Abraham was an incredible man of faith. He just he just had more faith than any other person that I can find in Scripture. Just believed in God and believed in what God was calling him to and calling him to do. And you know, you have David, who was a man after God's own heart, and you had Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived. But Abraham really was the father of faith. And today, I want to look at his life and apply some of the things that are in his life to our lives together. You know, one of the more popular subjects in leadership is the art of delegation. You know, a good leader knows how to delegate to other people, the responsibilities and the authority to make sure that goals are met. You know, you hear delegation. You may use delegation in your home with delegating chores to different kids. Or in your workplace, you probably have delegation of the bosses, delegating things to other people within the organization to make the, to make the team stronger. You know, here at Canton Church, we talk about delegation pretty frequently in staff meetings and talking about who's delegating what responsibilities and what tasks. You know, the scripture really calls the staff pastors of all churches, but of our church, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so we talk about that and what does that look like and what does delegation look like. And you may have never thought about delegation having to be something that a church talks about, but imagine what a Sunday morning would look like if no one delegated anything and only the staff tried to do everything. Imagine what Pastor Steve would be doing up here on the stage. He'd be singing and he'd be playing the guitar, and he'd have to figure out how to play the keys and the bass and the drums and be in the media booth to run the soundboard and the computer and, like, all at the exact same time because he didn't delegate any of the other responsibilities to anybody else, right? That'd be crazy. It'd be impossible. Imagine what Pastor Matt, our kids' pastor, would go through on a Sunday morning if he delegated no responsibility of kids' ministry to anyone else, He would be doing check-in, and he'd be doing security, and he'd be trying to teach four different lessons in four different environments at the exact same time. It would be madness. And so we talk about church, and we talk about delegation at the church frequently, but there's one thing at church that cannot be delegated, and the one thing that I've learned that we can't delegate is our faith in God. We can't ask someone else to have faith in God for us. This is a choice that we as individuals Must make for ourselves. So today I want to talk through four ways that I believe that we can all increase our faith. And the first of those ways that I think we can all increase our faith is that we must believe in God's plan for our life. If you want to take notes, they're going to put all of these up on the screen. But the first is that we must believe in God's plan for our life in Genesis chapter 17 verse 5 and 6 this is referring to Abraham who's referenced several times in chapter 4 of Romans it says "what's more i am changing your name i will no longer it will no longer be abram instead you will be called abraham for you will be the father of many nations i will make you extremely fruitful your descendants will become nations and kings will be among them" Now what you need to understand about Abraham or Abram or Abraham, whichever one you want to refer to him as here. What you need to understand about Abraham in this moment of his life is that God's telling him that he's going to have several generations of kids. And he's going to have so many kids that literally nations are going to be formed from his descendants. And of his descendants, he's going to have such incredible leaders that they're going to become kings. Now, that's a really cool thing for him to know, but what you've got to understand about this situation of his life is that this current moment, he didn't have any kids yet. And so God's telling this man that doesn't have any kids that he's going to have so many kids that they're going to form nations. And what an incredible statement of faith that he just kind of takes God's word for this, and he just believes in the dream that God's put in his head of saying, This is true. This is what God is saying is going to happen. You know, it would be a different story if, if God was telling Abraham this, and he had five or six kids already. And he could say, yeah, I could see how that's possible, because I have kids, and then they're going to have kids. But he's telling someone that doesn't have any kids at all. And so it all starts with a dream. Before he saw anything take place, before God had given him his first child, there was a dream that was birthed inside of him. Proverbs 29:18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. I think you could replace that word vision with dream and say, where well, there is no dream, the people perish. It starts with a dream. It starts with a vision, and it takes faith to see that dream come true. So nothing happens until we believe in God's dream. That is his vision for our lives. So, what is your dream? What's the thing that you lay in bed at night dreaming about? Not the the stress of the to-do list for tomorrow, but what is the thing that you lay in bed that keeps you awake at night, that gets you so excited that you can't sleep? What is your dream? Please understand that it's God that puts that, that births that dream inside of you. But what is your dream? You know, the Bible says that we don't have because we don't ask. But sometimes at the same time, We do ask, but we ask with the wrong motives or for the wrong reasons. We ask for selfish reasons. We ask because we want in our time, we want our own desires for ourselves and not for God's kingdom. James 4, 2, and 3 says, You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things, that is food, clothing, shelter, will be given unto you. When we seek God and his kingdom first, and not what we want when we want it, that's when we'll receive what we're asking God for. And so here's the question that I would like all of us to consider today. And they're going to put this on the screen. What would you attempt for God if you knew you couldn't fail? I'm going to say that one more time. I think that's really powerful for all of us to go home and all of us to kind of consider. What would you attempt for God if you knew that you couldn't fail? That's dreaming big. That's dreaming God-sized dreams. Someone once said, today's impossibilities are tomorrow's possibilities. And just because our dreams seem impossible to us, it doesn't mean that they actually are impossible. God is the God of the impossible. So believe in God's dream and his promises, and then ask God by faith, believing that he will accomplish his plan and his purpose for your life. So the first thing that we must do in order to increase our faith is we must believe in God's plan for our life. And the second thing that we must do is we must be willing to take a risk. I'm someone who I don't like to take risks that often. I like to kind of have a plan and stick to the plan and know what my plan is. But sometimes, in order to increase our faith, we must be willing to take a risk. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, this was Abraham before God changed his name. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country and your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. Now, you've probably heard this verse preached on or taught on several different times in several different contexts. But what an incredible moment of just kind of going out on a limb and kind of just taking a risk. God approached Abraham, and God said, Abraham, here's what's the deal, buddy. You're living here in your father's land near your family, and everything's going great for you. I want you to go back to your house. I want you to tell your wife, and I want you guys to pack everything you own, get all of your servants, and I want you to move and go in this direction, and I'll tell you when you get there. He didn't know where he was going. And so in his faith, and in his incredible amount of faith that he had, he just said, okay, God. And he went home, and he t- sat his wife down, and he said, here's the plan, we're moving. Now, I don't know how this conversation went. Scripture doesn't get into the details of this moment. But I wonder if it was like she got really excited and she's like, it's about time. I've been dropping hints for months that I want a bigger tent. Like, have you seen the place down the road for sale? Like, this is a great idea. You're finally buying me that tent down the road. Thank you, Abram. He said, no, we're not moving to that place. I'm sorry. I know maybe someday I'll get you a place like that. And she said got it. You're buying me that beach house I've always wanted, right? She's like, this is a great idea. It's about time you did this for me. He said, no, I'm not buying you that beach house you wanted. Okay, where are we moving? I don't know. Like, I can't imagine this conversation going well, but he said, I don't know where we're going. I just know that God wants me to take a risk, and God wants me to follow him, and I'm just putting my faith in God, believing that where he's going to guide, he's going to provide, and we'll know when we get there. Romans 4.13 tells us clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on right relationship with God that comes by faith. Faith is being willing to take a risk. You cannot go after a dream without taking some kind of risk along the way. If there's no risk, then there's no real faith. We need to take risk for the kingdom of God. This is going to sound crazy. But consider the turtle, all right? So everybody knows what a turtle looks like. they got the hard shell, four legs, the head that sticks out. When you go up and you tap on the shell, everything just kind of pokes in, right? Gets scared. So consider the turtle for a minute. Have you ever seen a turtle walking down the side of the road, all four legs out, just trucking along as fast as the little turtle can move, but no head visible? If you have, I think you're a liar because I don't think I've ever seen a turtle or heard of a turtle that walks around without its head out, without being able to see where it can go, right? It's got to be able to see... Where it's going, but every time a turtle is making any progress, every time a turtle is moving forward, what's it got? It's got its neck stuck out, it's taking a risk. And I think sometimes in our lives, when we want to grow closer to God, when we want to make some headway, when we want to make some progress, I think it takes a little bit of a risk. And I think it, it encourages us and challenges us to every once in a while, we got to stick our neck out a little bit for God, we got to be willing to take a, re- a risk every now and then. Insanity is defined by trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. You may have heard of this before, but Thomas Edison, he tried over 2,000 different ways to create the light bulb before successfully creating the filament that would create the light inside the light bulb. When asked about this, and when asked if he considered all of those a failure, he said he didn't consider them a failure. Instead, he said he found 2,000 ways that it didn't work. I think that we can all go kind of in this mindset and we can redefine the word failure in our lives. We also have to stop calling ourselves a failure. Instead, let's call the moments that we consider failures ourselves. Instead of calling them failures, what if we called it an experiment or we called it gaining an education? Because now we know that that doesn't work. People of great faith are probably the most experimented or the most educated people in the world. Because they're people that continue, continue to stick their necks out for God, and they take risk. You know, a great example of this can be found in the book of Daniel. Daniel writes about a time in history that they're under the rule of a man named King Nebuchadnezzar and King Nebuchadnezzar and some of his high ups, they got together one day, and they came up with this great plan that they were going to build this huge statue in King Nebuchadnezzar's honor, and they were going to bring all the people together, and they were going to unveil this thing, and everybody's going to have to kneel down and bow to the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had made, so they bring them all in, and thousands of people there, and they unveil, and they pull the robe, and everybody's clapping and cheering, and he says, okay, now everybody bow, and Everybody bows, and it's got to be one of those moments where everybody's kind of looking around, making sure everybody did it. And in the back corner, there were three young Jewish boys that stood standing, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And King Nebuchadnezzar saw them, and his officials get angry, and how dare they not bow at you. And so they bring them in, and he says, guys, I'm going to give you one more shot. Just bow, bow at it, and that way I don't have to kill you. If you don't do it, I'm going to have to kill you. I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And then I believe one of the greatest statements of faith ever recorded takes place in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. It says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And then verse 18, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty. That we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Notice their words there. But even if he does not not. Faith doesn't demand a guarantee. Instead, it believes in God and his word, and no matter where it guides, faith still does what's right. So these three guys, they're about ready to be tossed into this fiery furnace, and they've got to be terrified. I know I would if I was saying they've got to be nervous, but they didn't compromise. Instead, they stood up for their faith, which takes courage, and courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is moving ahead in spite of fear. Failure is also one of Satan's favorite tools to use against us. Because he makes us feel like we're failures. So how do we get rid of this fear? How do we get rid of this fear of failure? I think the first thing that we must do is we must for ourselves redefine what failure is. And I have three ways that we can redefine failure. And they're going to throw these up on the screen. The first is that failure isn't failing to reach the goal. It's not having a goal. Failure isn't failing to hit the target. It's not having a target to begin with. And failure isn't falling down. It's not getting back up again. Let me end the second point with what Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 26. He says, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So let's let go of any fear of failure that we might have. Because anything we're attempting in God's name, in faith, is pleasing to God. So first... We've got to believe in God's dream for our life. Secondly, we must be willing to take a risk to increase our faith. And the third thing that we must do is we must live with great expectation. We've got to live with a greater expectation that God can do what God says He's going to do than we currently have. In Romans chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, it says, Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham was about a hundred years old. And he was living with this incredible expectation that God was still going to do what God had said that he was going to do. What incredible statement of faith. the Apostle Paul who wrote this book of Romans to this church in Rome he also wrote in Philippians 1:20 he said I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death God uses those who expect to be used expecting God is an act of faith and we expect God to use us not because of who we are but rather because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us upon the cross. So when we put our faith in God's great grace, then God will do great things in and through us. Matthew chapter 9 records the story of Jesus healing two blind men. And listen to the narrative of what takes place in verse 28 and 29. It says, When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. They went in with an expecting heart of knowing that God could heal them. Church, what are we believing God for? What are we expecting God to do in our lives? We need to be people of great expectation. So the first thing is we must believe in God's dream for our lives. The second thing is we must be willing to take a risk. And the third thing is we must expect God to do great Things And the fourth and the final thing that we must do is we must never give up. We can't give up. If we want to increase our faith, we can never give up. Romans four twenty through 22 says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. I've got to be honest with you for a moment. When it comes to a lot lot of things in my life, actually, I kind of like the, um, the fast food model of life. Like, I want it right now when I want it, like, quick. Like, when I go into Chick-fil-A and I'm standing there, like, we all do this. We can see the board that they can see, and it's got that timer going on it of how long it's been since my order's been in until they clear it. And at, like, four minutes, I think it is, it, like, turns red, and you're like, this is ridiculous. I've been waiting way too long than I should be waiting for my food, right? Like, we all do that. Like, we go into places, and we want things quick, and we want things now. But i got to be honest with you. I, I sometimes can take that into my prayer life. I can sometimes pray prayers to God, and I can say, God, you know, thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. But here's what I need done, and here's what I need it done by, if I'm honest. God, I've been praying this prayer for a couple weeks now. And I, still, I still haven't, so I haven't gotten that answer. Where are you at, God? Why haven't you answered my prayer yet, God? Like, if we're honest, I think uh, down inside some of us, like, we deal with that. We kind of want this, I want it now, I want it now, I want it when I want it mentality when we approach God in prayer. But, but look at what it said in Romans four twenty. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. Here's a man who God had given a dream to early in his life that he was going to become the father of many nations, that he would have descendants that would become kings. And a 100 years old, It says that he had more faith then than he'd ever had. Now, when I pray a prayer, after about six months, I start getting a little discouraged if it hadn't happened. After about 12 months, I may get a little more discouraged. After about 18 months, I may lose a little more faith. After about two years, I've lost a little more faith after that. But what an incredible moment of faith to say... After all of this time, God, I have more faith that you can answer this than the first time I ever prayed it. I mean, imagine, I lose patience after a couple of weeks, if I'm honest, after a couple months, after a couple years. Abraham was 100. Like, how long do you think he'd been wanting to become a dad? Right? Like, was it, did, he become, did he desire that for the first time at the age of 50? Like, did he say, God, I've been praying this prayer for 50 years, and right now I have more faith than the first time I prayed it? Was the first time he wanted to become a dad at the age of 40? Had he been praying this prayer and saying, God, I have more faith now than I did 60 years ago? Did he want to become a dad at the first time at the age of 25? God, I've been praying this prayer for 75 years. And God, I have more faith today that you can answer this prayer than I've ever had before. What an incredible moment of faith. To be able to say, God, you haven't answered in my timing, that's for sure. But God, I still believe that you are a sovereign and good God. And God, I'm just going to believe and I'm going to keep believing that your faith or my faith in you is worth and you're worthy of my faith. And so God, I'm just going to keep putting my faith in you. Faith keeps on believing. Faith is persistent. Faith is diligent. Faith just keeps going. It never gives up. Psalms 31 verse 24 says, Be strong and take heart. All you who hope in the Lord. Expect God to do great things and don't give up. Those the Bible identifies as heroes of faith are no different than you and I. They're just ordinary people. They're ordinary people who have extraordinary determination. The psalmist said in 119, 109, My life constantly hangs in the balance, but I will not stop obeying your law. Some of you may feel like you're living life dangerously close to the edge that you're hanging on by a thread, that your finances are in turmoil. You're barely hanging on to your job, your marriage might be unraveling, or you're dealing with one illness after another. But the person of faith says, even though my life is falling apart, I will not give up on obeying God. Solomon said in Proverbs 24:16, for though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. We all make mistakes. The difference is our desire to get back up. I found this quote, and I don't know who said it. I wish I knew. Honestly, I wish I was the one who said it. But it said, you could determine a person's greatness by what it takes to discourage them. What's it take to discourage you? If you haven't heard an answer to prayer after a couple weeks, after a couple months, after a couple years, are you discouraged? Or is your faith so strong in God that you stay encouraged, knowing that He's the God that can answer your prayers? What does it take to discourage you? The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So what are you doing by faith? How much of God are you willing to believe in? There's a story found in the Gospels. The Gospels are the four books at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They give a, a eyewitness ey- ey- account of the life of Jesus. And in the the Gospels, there's a story where a dad of of a daughter who's sick comes and approaches Jesus. And he says, Jesus, will you come and will you heal my daughter? She's sick. And Jesus asked him, do you believe that I can heal her? And the father replied, yes, Lord, I believe. But will you help my unbelief? And Jesus was so pleased with this answer that he went and he healed this daughter. You see, I believe that the father knew that Jesus could heal her. He had probably seen Jesus do a miracle, and if he'd never seen it, he'd at least heard of other miracles taking place. So he believed, but there was still that tiny spark of doubt in his heart. It was just that lingering what if in his heart. And so when asked, asked whether or not he believed, he answered truthfully saying, yes, but God, I need you to help that little bit of unbelief that I have. Church, I think that's where some of us might be today. I think some of us, we've, we've prayed bold prayers before and we've said, God, I need you to do this in my life. God, I want, I, I want this. God, I desire this. God, I wanna, I wanna do this. God, I want that job. God, I, I, want, I want this for my marriage. I want this for my kids. God, I need this health miracle taking place. God, I wanna become a parent. Like Whatever your situation might be, like we've prayed these prayers And I think today, some of us may just need to turn to God and say, God, I do believe that you can answer it. But whether it's still just a tiny bit, or as time's grown, you've allowed the unfaith to grow. Maybe just say, God, I believe that you can do it, but I just need you to help my unbelief. God, help me be more like Abraham. God, as more time passed, more faith grew. God, I want want more faith than I currently have. With every head bowed and every eye closed. There's two groups of people I want to talk to in this moment. The first is the people that maybe you've never put your faith in God to begin with. You've never asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. You've never said, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And so today, maybe you say, God, today is the day that I want to put all of my faith in you. God, I've been trying to do this on my own. I've been trying to do this my way, but today's the day that I just say, God, I can't do it on my own anymore. I want to put my faith in you. If that's you today, I just want you to slip your hand up, and then you can put it right back down. Thank you. The second group of people that I want to talk to, and there were several hands in the first service, I promise you won't be the only person. I want to talk to the people in the room that just lost some faith that you've been praying some prayers, and you've been crying out to God, and maybe you've, you've really cried, and maybe you've been angry, maybe you've been upset, like you're just, you're needing God, and you're wanting God to answer this prayer, and it just hadn't happened yet, you've lost faith. Today, I want to just encourage you to, to not give up on God, because He hasn't given up on you. He still hears your prayers. He hasn't stopped listening. But today, if that's you, if you just say, I I just need some faith. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. If that's you, just lift your hand. Tons of hands all across this room. God, we love you. God, we thank you that you are a God worthy of putting our faith into. God, I pray for every person in the room that says, today is the day that I want to put all of my faith in God. I don't want to live on my own, but I want, to, I want to live for God. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And God, I admit that I need you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Scripture tells us that all of heaven will celebrate when even one makes that decision. So God, thank you for the people that choose today as the day to enter into a relationship with you. And God, I secondly pray for the people in the room that they just need more faith. God, it's a tough place to be to have prayers that you so desperately want answered and you haven't seen the answer come the way you want it to come. But God, I just pray that we don't lose hope. God, I pray for the people in the room. They don't lose sight of who you are and how sovereign you are and how much you truly love them. God, help us to have faith in you. God, increase our faith. Increase our boldness. God, let us take risks. God, ultimately, let us never give up on faith you're not giving up on us. God, we love you, and we thank you. In your name I pray. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash